Green is brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Hello and welcome to Being Green. I'm Glynis Crook. Earlier this week, I was struck yet again about how incredibly lucky, no, that's not even the right word. I think the right word is privileged I am to live in Cape Town. There I was walking on the Seapoint Promenade with my daughter at the end of just an ordinary day, watching a pod of humpback whales frolicking out at sea. Life is busy in a city, and I guess like many Cape Tonians, I tend to see the traffic jams and busy streets, the noise and the constant rush, rather than the nature that is surrounding me. I'm so used to seeing seals and penguins, baboons and flamingos, to name but a few, that perhaps I have become blasé. The humpback whales were a reminder of just how magnificent and spectacular the natural world is and how much we need to protect it. So I'm joined on the line now by Dr. Simon Elwin, who's Director of Sea Search and also a Research Associate at Stellenbosch University's Department of Botany and Zoology. Simon, tell us about the humpback whale. Uh, hi, Glynis. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, the humpback whale is, is probably one of the most populous whales that we have globally these days. They occur essentially from the ice edge all the way up to the equator and in all the oceans. And they, they're most, one of the most well-known whales because they're famous for their song, uh, which, which most people have heard at some point. And we're lucky to have them up both our west coast and our east coast in South Africa. Yeah, in fact, we're going to listen to a bit of their song later. But here in South Africa and elsewhere in the world, they were heavily hunted. And I believe that in 1979, when the South African government decided to ban commercial whaling, there was only something like 600 individuals in our sort of coastal region. So I guess they've made a comeback. I actually don't have any memory of seeing them as a child. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact numbers of our population, but there were certainly very few. I mean, there was some work on the West Coast in the mid-90s where in a three-week field trip, um, it was Peter Best and Ken Finley, they, they saw, you know, a, a few, a handful of whales over a three-week field trip, whereas whereas now, what are we, in uh, 30 years later, we, we can see hundreds of whales at the same time, and that's what's happening off our coast at the moment. So they don't really live here permanently or breed here. We're effectively a pit stop, I believe, on their journey from the Antarctic every year to breed in the warmer waters near Mozambique. Yeah, that's right. So we're in a very interesting area of Cape Town, actually, because, well, as far as we understand, we have two populations that are going past the South African coast, one coming up the west coast feeding uh, to breed off Angola and Gabon, and one moving up the east coast to breed off Mozambique. And genetically, there's differences, but we, we think there's some level of interchange. And just here off the, the west coast in the southern Benguela, so basically Cape Town to St. Helena Bay, we have a, uh, a feeding area, which is globally unique, because uh, most of the feeding that, that humpback whales do is down in the southern ocean at 40, 50 degrees southwards, really cold. This is the open ocean, incredibly hard area to study them. And we have these animals every year now. Um, well, we've known about it for years, but we, we get these huge aggregations now, certainly over the last 10 years. And um, we think some of the East Coast animals might be using them. That's definitely a lot of the West Coast animals. And it's a really amazing area. We get to study feeding humpback whales literally on our doorstep. It is. I was so blown away 
<laughs> no pun intended, because their little spouts were going everywhere when I was walking along the, the beachfront earlier this week. How much of a, a danger is shipping, notably, in, in the Cape? Because, I mean, there's a lot of ships around at this time of the year. Yeah, ship, shipping is a major concern. It's something that we, we flagged multiple times, and you sort of yet to see any formal meetings being raised about the issue. Um, but there are things that, that certainly could be done, like looking at where maybe it's worth moving shipping lanes a little bit further offshore or reducing speeds. Uh, there have been quite a few strandings recently, uh, but that's partly just because there's so many animals. I'm not aware of any being struck by ships this season, but it, it is happening fairly regularly. And I mean, my, my greatest fear is a ship plowing into one of those groups of 50 whales in the dark. I mean, that would just be uh, absolutely tragic. Certainly that would be. <coughs> The humpback, of course, as we mentioned earlier, is famous for its singing ability, but you say the ones off our coast aren't singing, really. That's right, yeah. So mostly the whale song is associated with breeding. We think it's to do with either sort of males attracting other males um, or, or attracting females. It's surprisingly not well understood. And so, you know, historically, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't think we'd ever really get whale song off, off South Africa. So we were quite surprised when we recorded it for the first time a few years back, and we were now detecting it quite regularly, but it still seems to be more like practice songs or the occasional animals. But these feeding groups are making a lot of vocalizations, but they, they're like feeding sounds or, or just inter-animal communication. So they're, they're shorter, isolated sounds. They're not these long, repeated songs. So it's really interesting, and, and, and again, lucky for us to study these animals undertaking behaviors that normally you'd only see in the Southern Ocean. And if you haven't gone down and try and spot them along the coast, please do go so this weekend. It's really the most magnificent sight. Dr. Simon Elwin, Director of Sea Search and a Research Associate at Stellenbosch University's Department of Botany and Zoology. Thank you. And that's it for this week. Until next time, from me, Glynis Crook, take care and goodbye. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Ask not what your community can do for you. Ask what you can do for your community. At Remax Living Real Estate, our ethos is built on giving back. From sponsoring music broadcasts to FMR's Being Green, our focus is on making your world more harmonious and our planet more sustainable. So when it comes to choosing a real estate partner, don't go for anything less than people who are maximum givers. Galinda Moser from Remax Living Real Estate. Mm-hmm.